Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, channel pros. Welcome to episode 81 of Channel Journeys. This is your host and channel chief, Rob Spee. I hope your new year is off to a great start. Thank you so much for starting your year by listening to Channel Journeys. And I hope this podcast helps you on your channel journey one way or another. A big shout out and thank you to the sponsor of Channel Journeys, Allbound, who are helping me on my mission to share my passion for the channel and hopefully inspire you to achieve even more than you thought was possible. Allbound, of course, is the maker of a world-leading partner portal. Their PRM is super fast and super easy to get set up, makes it really easy to collaborate with your partners on co-marketing and co-selling. They have best-in-class reviews for automating the training of your partners and engaging partners in all aspects of their life cycle with you, and that includes the ever-important deal registration process. You can check them out at allbound.com. All right, we've been talking a lot about the partner ecosystem and the new players on the channel. Today, I want to talk to you about a partner category that isn't new, but also isn't going away. We know this type of partner by a variety of names. We call them DMRs, or we used to, national resellers, and now more national solution providers, or NSPs. Whatever you want to call them, the key is to know how to use them and how to make them successful. Our guest today is an expert at doing just that. I've known him for quite a while. He's been managing and leading teams that manage these national powerhouses for some of the top technology providers. I'm talking about Dwayne Owens, also known as DO. And pre-COVID, he was often the best-dressed channel leader you'd find walking the sales floors and executive wings of CDW. Are you ready to meet DO? Let's go. Hey, Dio, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Happy to be here to talk about some things near and dear to my heart. Awesome. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Finally getting you on the show. <laughs> excited to be here. Very excited to be here. Well, you had to wait until I knew what I was doing so I could give a proper interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've been doing what you're doing for a while, Rob. We both know this. <laughs> <laughs> I was just fishing for a compliment. That's all. Hey, and, and you came up with Moby Dick. Good for you. <laughs> All right, Dio, you and I have known each other for a while. I met you when you were at CDW, not working for CDW, but running sales there. And you've developed a really special expertise that uh, not a lot of folks have in the channel. And I don't think it's something that we've really explored. So I'm, I'm really excited to have you on and, and give our listeners probably some good tips. They may be dabbling with uh, this area and, and or not, but they probably also are wondering, how do I really make this work? Why isn't it working? And, and what's the future? And this area of expertise that we're talking about, first, I got to figure out, what do we even call it today? Because it used to be known as DMRs. Then we said national resellers. What, what do these partners like to be called today? Most recently, I've been told NSPs, National Solution Providers. Okay. So that's the new name for these types of partners. And who are these NSPs, National Solution Providers? You've got your CDWs, of course, SHI, Insight, PC, you know, but it's it's really those those guys have all kind of morphed and, and kind of owned everybody else. Um, we had a few other players out there 
You know, if we talked, you know, two years ago or right as COVID was hitting us, there were some other players out there that we probably would have mentioned. But now those are truly the big names that we're all seeing out there. There's some kind of smaller local mom and pop type players as well, or regionalized players, I should say. That's probably a better way of calling that. More regionalized players that have a similar model. But if we're talking the true national big, big brands, those are the guys, the usual suspects. So there's been a lot of consolidation. And do you see these, Do are there national solution providers, NSPs, do you see them outside the US? Like, is there an NSP in, in Europe, for example, or other regions? Yeah. Yeah, there is. There's, you know, I know CDW and Insight both have really strong and significant presence in Canada, EMEA, for sure. And uh, I know that um, CDW, a good friend of mine actually moved to London to start their, you know, their, their UK or to help, I shouldn't say start, but to truly help with the UK practice. He's back now, uh, Jim by the name of Dave Chapman, Chappie, he's back now and running the West for CDW. But yeah, they've got a presence globally. Interesting. And your, your work that you've done over the years, have you done any of that international work with these guys or have you been America's or North America focused? <laughs> Rob, I've got some funny stories about Dwayne Owens and Insight Canada and CDW Canada as well, but I will share them for offline. But yes, I have worked with both CDW and Insight outside of the US, you know, specifically Canada and a little bit in, in, in Europe. Okay. And you, you've got quite a track record. You've worked with some big companies, Oracle, HP, in this role of driving sales with these types of partners. What have you seen over the years in terms of these national NSPs morphing and changing? You talked about consolidation. What other changes are you seeing in, in working with them? You know, there's been a lot of kind of changes, you know, over the last few years, just in the, the way we all go to market, if you will, right? Retailers, customers, partners, you know, everybody's changing the way they're doing business over the last few years. And, you know, there's been a period of caution <laughs> at, for, at one point in time. But I feel like the pace, you know, and the economic growth is, is picking back up. People are ready to discover new brands. People are ready to discover new products, new things, new ways of doing things. Some of it is, hey, this is great new technology. Some of it is necessity based on the way the world is. But anyway, in order to capitalize on all these new trends, I feel like we have to continue to be strategically thoughtful on obtaining new customers. And that is where these guys continue to be a leader, right? They have not changed there at all. But where they have changed is probably their focus on things like services, right? The services play within the NSP community is at an all-time high. Some of it is, you know, some of the purchases and, and acquisitions that have happened for some of the larger ones. But the other pieces, I think they fully understand, you know, the stickiness that comes along with services. There's a huge margin play that comes along with services. And transparently, in the world that you and I play in, the as-a-service world, you know, there's a lot of the traditional applications and platforms that were hosted in-house and, you know, managed in-house that are no longer being managed and hosted that way. So in order to capture some piece of that stack, you know, some spend, some, some wallet share of that stack, the services has become a really big play. I've got a buddy that lives about, I don't know, four, four or five miles from me uh, that is a uh, technical consultant. Uh, local at one of the NSPs. And he told me that roughly 40% of his variable is tied to uh, services. Interesting. Now take that back two years and you were talking about 15 to 20%. So more than, more than double. Yeah. I, you know, and there may be a reputation out there that's outdated of the NSPs, you know, 
and probably dates back to when we thought of them as DMRs. And it was much more of, hey, this is a, a great fulfillment vehicle. They've got thousands of reps, hundreds of thousands of customers, great way to get products out there, but we're not going to rely on them to add a lot of value. That can be the case, you know, and, and it all depends on, 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 on the manufacturer, I think. Um, we all have, we all, we're in technology, right? In our side of the business, we're in technology. It's a relatively complex sale. Um, and we're all very proud of our technology. But if when we come into the NSP community, if we come in and talk down at, or talk at them or talk down to them, they'll politely nod and put you in a certain space in their mind. And, <laughs> and it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy is what it will be. But if you come in there, <laughs> right? And if you come in there with the proper respect for who they are in the industry, what they have been to the industry and their place in the industry, um, and, 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 you know, understand the different personas. So if you're talking to an account manager and you're trying to get them to understand an implementation, yeah, you're talking to the wrong guy, right? <laughs> but that account manager can put you in contact with the right guy because they have a ton of resources and they have, they have certainly understood the, uh, the importance of the shift of having the technical uh, resources and capabilities as well as, you know, MS, you know, being able to do implementations and things like that. And again, when you look at the purchases that they've made in the acquisitions over the last few years, the major ones, they obviously understand where the puck is going. And transparently, they've been operating, you know, because they have you know, such strong relationships with software vendors, they've been operating under these guys for a little bit, right? They've been helping customers to move to the hybrid data center uh, model shift for, you know, for years at this point. So it's not new to them. It's new to us and how we're viewing them, I think. All right. So the NSPs, they're picking up services. They're moving more into the services model. This is, we're seeing this across the, all the channel. You know, resellers, everyone's moving much more into services. What else are you seeing? What does it take to be successful with these partners? And, and has that changed or is it still kind of the same requirements to, to make it successful? You know, it's multi-pronged. Let me just say, let me, let me, let me back up and say that. There's, there's no one thing. I'll answer the last part of the question first. What it takes, has it changed? That I don't think that it's really changed in terms of what it takes to be successful. The execution has changed, right? Because the, the industry has changed. But overall, the only thing that I think has changed is the services. So I would say, you know, what it takes to be successful, patience, <laughs> simplicity, profitability, scalability, and then services. That would be the one that it possibly has changed. So, you know, it takes patience because you got to understand the, 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 the right timelines, right? I mean, patience and candidly an understanding of how to blend the NSP resources with current and for current and future success with your resources as well as a, as a manufacturer. But the patience piece comes in because we have to make sure that we understand the right timeline for success. You know, I've, I've seen and heard of people that will come to a partner and say, hey, I had a meeting at fill in the blank NSP on Tuesday. Where's my million dollars? It's Thursday, you know, and you know, there are some proper steps and, and things that have to be followed. I have a little uh, go to market that I used. I call it three cups of tea. And the short version of the premise is it requires a level of consistency and you coming back and showing them that you care um, and that you're not a fly by nighter before you're going to see any level of uh, you know, them kind of paying attention to what you're trying to get them to accomplish. So patience, I think, is the first one. Simplicity. It has to be easy. They've got over 10,000 you know, products on their line card. If, and we're all very proud of our technologies. But if you cannot simplify that message and simplify what it does, what you're addressing, 
why it's important to your customers. And then, yes, most importantly, how they're going to make money. They're going to look to somebody else who did. <laughs> right. Because they've got options. No matter how good a manufacturer is, they probably are selling your number one competitor as well. Right. So we've got to make sure that we're simple there and then feeding them, you know, make sure we feed those guys. But I don't mean just throw them deals and let them no feed them with a purpose, feed them so that they can learn how to sell your solution. Work with them. Don't do it for them and just throw them a deal at the 11th hour. Come in from the very beginning. Let them hear the conversations. Let them hear how you overcome objections. Right. And be consistent. The biggest, the biggest piece or where things fall apart with the NSPs and probably anywhere in the partner community is when things go direct, right? When the partner's not treated well in a sales cycle. So if you don't have a 100% channel model, which not every company does, make sure that you have a deal registration model in place and that it, it, it means something. I was at a company at one point and I used to actually say it out loud. It darn near takes an act of Congress to remove your, your deal registration, right? Like we're in here together and we're going to win, lose, or draw together, right? So, you know, when they feel like you're in the boat with them like that, that means something. And then, you know, like I said, the services piece and this as a service day and age that we're living in, that's probably, you know, relatively self-explanatory. But, you know, I would just say that, you know, with so many things coming, like I said, going from being uh, on site, you know, to being as a service and stuff like that, the services are so big. They have to make sure that they're getting at least a piece of that wallet share and the services is it. And the other piece of that is it's very profitable and it allows them to be sticky. Again, two great things that you can always tell when you're having those conversations. I know I kind of answered that in a long winded fashion, but that one required a little bit of digging in. <laughs> yeah, let's let's dig in. So simplicity. What are some things that you've seen, maybe vendors that you've worked with where things were not simple that you had to fix, where CDW or Insider, someone said, look, this is just too difficult. You're burning too many calories. You got to fix this. Remember that burning too many calories. That's a Chris Corley. That's very good. <laughs> a couple things. One, when you know folks come in and they talk at them. I think I've talked about that just a little bit before. They come in and they talk at them instead of talking to them. They're your peers, right? They work with you. As a matter of fact, these guys is, are probably know the customer that you want to know and get in front of and have had a relationship with them for years. So Come and address them knowing that, right? The resources is a, is an easy or a simple, simple or an easy button that sometimes people neglect. Making sure that they have the backbone, if you will, if they get into trouble, right? No one wants to have a conversation where, you know, three, four questions in, you don't know where to go to get help. They have to know where to get help. And then the, the last part of that is the training and the investment, right? So in addition to having a quality sales team and technical team that they can leverage and a quality services team that they can lean on, we need to make sure that we are investing in our partners in terms of the training, right? That we're getting them certified or offering a certification, that we have a, a program that allows them to deliver services. When you go to someone and they say, our number one objection or one of our four pillars of growth for 2022 is growing our services business, I had one partner that told me, we sell products that drive services that drive product. So if we're not doing your services, the possibility of us really paying attention and being proactive with your product is not as high, not as likely. And so that being said, if you're not offering an ability for them to deliver services and, and really playing into that services arm that they're lo looking to accomplish, you're going to be a little tough when you come to them and say, now let's get proactive on selling my product and, you know, delivering that. So, you know, really understanding kind of their go to market and their strategy 
where they're strong and what they're trying to do, how they're trying to change and morph themselves. Whether they admit it or not, whether they say it or not, everyone's continuing to reinvent themselves in this new DNA. Understand how they're looking to reinvent themselves and then make sure that you're playing to their strong suits there, right? That's how you get their attention. That's how you become easy because when a company tells you that this is their initiatives, this is one of their four pillars of growth, you've got to know that everybody who carries a quota of any sort, that's what they care about now too. Compensation drives behavior. If they want their folks to behave a certain way, they're going to compensate them for it. So understanding that, playing to that, and being respectful of that at all times, I think is is helpful. And then again, like I said, the resources, be the easy button. Yeah. Be the easy button. Drown them with resources. On the sales training side, enablement, is it realistic to expect, you know, these guys, they may have hundreds or thousands of sales reps. Is it reasonable to expect any number of those to really get sales certified? Or are you targeting maybe a different group like the SE group to get to know your product? Yes and yes. (laughs) There is an expectation that those guys will get certified and we do target other areas within the company. So for your sales certification, they want to get certified. A lot of times people have, they've got different metrics that they need to hit internal at the NSPs. They get paid for having different certifications. A lot of times these guys are looking to do that. If you become significant enough to them and they understand that they're going to be a, uh, you're going to be a brand that they're really trying to sell, they'll want, they'll want the training. They'll want the certification. They want to be able to do this without us on the phone or joining them in the conversation. But I can tell you that I have put in front of my team metrics around certifications for sales reps, and I put a separate metrics in front of them for the technical folk. And obviously, you understand the, the, you know, the ratio of how many sales reps versus technical people. So you got to keep that in mind. But the sales certification, again, we've got to be simple. So as we're designing our programs, if we design them with our partners and our NSP community in mind, it it doesn't hurt to keep them in mind. If you're going to keep, if you think that a a NSP sales rep is going to sit through four hours of a sales certification, good luck with that. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm not saying it's never happened. I'm just saying good luck with it. What will they digest? What have you found? They'll digest a a solid hour of, of information. If you can give these guys, and and so you can break it up. A lot of times what we try to do is say, they're sales certified. Okay, is there maybe a segment of your sales certification that you can give them? And that way, instead of it being one big certification, it breaks down into five separate modules or something like that, where instead of it being a four-hour training, they can pick and choose the pieces that are important. The marketing side may not mean a darn thing to the sales rep, but the design means something. The competitive side means something, right? Making sure that we give them relevant information in a digestible time frame. Great question, by the way. I think that 45 minute to an hour slot, if we can jump in really hard and heavy, get rid of the marketing piece and get to the sales part that we really want them to understand and capture, we can accomplish something with them there. And like I said, I think that the key, well, in many instances, I, won't, I, won't, I don't like to speak in definitives because there's so many you know, ways that this could not be the case, but in many instances, I think the, the smaller digestible chunks and then just have more certification tracks, right? Offer four instead of two, offer five instead of one, right? And that way they can get in there for a 45 minute hour slot, feel like they've accomplished something, right? That's, that, you know, let me, I don't know, probably going a little bit down a rabbit hole, but let me give this one little bit of feedback. Again, having talked to and being personal friends with a lot of folks that work in NSPs, The worst thing that can happen is for them to sit through your certification, 45 minutes, an hour, two, whatever it happens to be. And then you ask them questions on the test like they're an SE, right? I'm not saying it's got to be, you know, fill in the blank. 
you know, cloud blank changes everything, right? <laughs> like it doesn't have to be that simple, but it does need, it shouldn't be a gotcha. Ask straightforward questions, ask questions that show if they really understand the, 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 the material that was presented and not questions that are meant to trip you up. That's been feedback that I've gotten multiple times from folks in the partner community. So I thought I'd share it here. Yeah. Interesting. You've built large teams to support these NSPs. How big a team do you need? I mean, can one guy go and be successful with a CDW or does it really take a, a team approach? I think it takes a team approach. I think it takes a team approach because there's so many aspects to the business that are just as important and people will neglect certain aspects. Everyone thinks the sales side, I'm going I'm to get in there and I'm, I'm going to be in front of the sales reps. I'll make sure the sales reps know. And that's a huge part of it. I mean, Candidly, you can't be successful without it, but you have to you have to manage the marketing and the partner and product management side. That's a very important piece. Without that, we don't understand the programs. We don't get access to teams. We, you know, understanding your status, how often you can get trainings and things like that, like making sure that you care about that side is just as important. Then there's the technical side, right? Then just from a sheer sales perspective of volume and the ability to be significant to someone I'll speak, you know, CDW's got over 2,000, you know, account managers. How does one guy do that? Right. Um, so you need a few folk. And you, you, and what I've seen be successful is when you kind of segment out, you know, you can say, you know, central, east, west, north, south. You can do, you know, verticals because, you know, within each of the NSPs, they definitely have a vertical place. And transparently, the ones that have, that have done it the best, the ones that are the most successful, the diamond level partners, the platinum level partners, they have folk that are SEs that are dedicated. They have partner business managers in different segments for different verticals in different geographies, as well as an overall leader, right? A director or, or manager that manages that entire team that as a general rule spends their time at PPM or, you know, with the marketing groups and folks like that. But one of the things I think that people have to recognize when they're working with the NSPs is that it is a commitment. It's a commitment from the manufacturer as well. Um, so if you're going to work with these guys, you, you really have to kind of resolve yourself to a, you know, a probably a good year long kind of go to market model with obvious checkpoints and course corrections along the way to make sure that we're not eight months in and go, wow, this was the wrong way of doing it. But we really have to be consistent. We have to say, what, you know, mean what we say and say what we're going to do. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, you know, if, if we're coming in and we don't have the right amount of resources, it can be a bit counterproductive and create the frustration that I've seen some of the smaller partners have. You talked about the program levels. Let's talk about programs. And, and there's this concept of pay to play, right? And that's also kind of a derogatory, hey, you got to pay to play here, right? What's your view on that and the importance of, you know, moving up these tiers? Say, I'm sorry, say that one more time, the last part. What's your view of the, the, this pay to play notion, you know, this, this mindset that people have of the, of the NSPs? What's your view of that? And also the, that ties, I think, to the program levels, because you do have to pay more to get into the higher program levels. And, and how important is there a big return on that? So I hate the term pay to play. Although it is a very widely accepted and said and candidly, I've said it myself, but um, I don't think that it's representative of exactly, you know, what it is. So then that's why I hate it. Um, do I think it's worth it? It depends is the honest answer. It depends on if you're ready to go to market with, with these partners. 
if you have if they if they care about services and you can and you can check a box that says services and, and really allow them to be, you know, play into one of the four pillars of growth or two, three pillars of growth that that partner has, then it, yes, it does make sense. If you've got the team in place or will soon thereafter look to build out a team to put in place to make sure that you can, you know, really be significant and be um, relevant. You know, there's prior to COVID, I used to say there's no replacing your face, uh, being you know, the face in the place, if you will. But, you know, having enough people that can be on site that can, you know, um, be the squeaky wheel, right? Because there's so many folks there. It does. It does. Um, you got to remember that you're paying for the trusted advisor status to their thousands and hundreds of thousands of customers, right? So, you know, none of us as manufacturers will be able to scale and reach the customers that these NSPs are. And, and that's that's with one relationship. We have a relationship with 200, 250, 150,000 customers that maybe we didn't, never knew. Maybe we never even knew 100,000 of them even existed, right? So it it definitely does make sense, but you have to kind of press them a little bit to understand what is it that you're paying for. I think the frustration and the irritation comes about because people don't get a full understanding of what it is they're paying for. Is there an ROI guarantee or at least an ROI kind of a commitment that they're looking to give you? Hey, for this hundred thousand, I'm throwing out a number to be on gold status with us. You know, we traditionally have seen people's sales double or whatever that might be. Get them to give you an idea of what it is. And if there is no revenue commit or no revenue expectation, what is the expectation? What am I getting for this? How can I leverage that into revenue? How can I leverage you when I start running into roadblocks, right? Because there's more to it than just I paid a couple bucks for, you know, for your marketing. And then the last piece that I would say um, when you're, you know, looking at those fees and stuff like that, connect your go-to-market strategy and their go-to-market strategy. So if that means your marketing leads and their marketing leads need to talk and understand each other's go-to-market so that we can figure out how to make that work together, figure out how to get put into the right programs, right? Don't just accept what they give you. They're probably going to kill me if they when they hear this, but don't just accept what they give you as a, as a program when it comes back. Look at it. Make sure that it aligns to your initiatives. Push Push back respectfully, of course, be polite, of course, but push back. Um, tell them why your product doesn't play in a catalog if it doesn't play in a catalog. Mm. They understand that they have many of their manufacturers that don't, um, but many do still to this day. Right. So keep them honest. They may not know your solution as well. Right. They're marketing and they're new to your product. They may not know it as well. So if what they give you is not relevant, show them what is. Give them ideas work with them. If you get things like showcase pages, and that's a big deal to get those on those websites, take it seriously. Take it seriously. The biggest mistake you can make is kind of giving them the B team. Don't give them the scrubs. Don't give them the B team or the secondary. That's not that great in terms of building out a plan, in terms of building out your marketing. Give them the A team. You want A team results? Yeah, but but that that is such a great point, the B team, because I've seen this. We've both seen this. People think, oh, NSPs, it's 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 not that important to us. We got to have it. It's not that important. We'll put the B team on it. You you have been so successful because I know you. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it in action. I see what you do, and and there's there's not a doubt. And this pay to play, it's really invest to win, right? That's what it is. And make smart investments. And then don't invest if you're not ready is what I would say. That would be my two cents. You may not, and I'm speaking probably more to the, the, the smaller companies that are coming through the ranks. 
you may not be ready for the commit and the the the, the runway that it's going to take before the ROI starts happening. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, I say when you're working with the NSPs, it's like steering a cruise ship. It is not a speedboat. It does not turn on a dime. It will turn. It will turn successful and it will be awesome when it gets there, but it doesn't happen overnight, right? So you've got to be willing to kind of, you know, go through some of the storm and some of the the slow period of, of kind of ramping it up and that that sort of thing. And just understanding where you are, where your company is right now and their vision, and their go-to-market strategy. Does the NSPs plan to that? Do the NSPs plan to that? And do they plan to it today? Do they plan to it next year? Or do they plan to it? Or should they have been playing into it two years ago and we're behind the times, right? So, you know, there's, there's a couple of different ways you can approach that. We were talking about um, NSPs moving into services. What do you make of the CDW acquisition of Sirius? Sensational move. I've worked with Sirius in previous lives in various different capacities, and they are. They're phenomenal. Um, I'm not shocked, candidly, to, 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 to see uh, CDW purchase such a strong player. Uh, with Inside purchasing Datalink just a couple couple years ago. Um, I won't say this was CDW's response to that, but I would have been shocked if CDW didn't offer another really strong player as well. Having picked up Burby years ago, you know, that acquisition and that kind of started their, you know, their their transition into the services play, you know, to the degree that they are. The serious, that's a that's an awesome pickup. I mean, I've worked with those guys. When you talk about A players, we just got done talking about A players. That is a company of A players. And at some of my, well, I'll call my, my services heavy manufacturers that I've worked for, those guys were just strong, strong players for us because they were so good, so smart, so willing to, to jump into very tough and complex um, uh, environments and great success, track record of success there. So, yeah. Yeah, we're very excited about it as well. What would you say to people that are listening that work for, you know, 100% SaaS, you know, software as a subscription model, no perpetual, they're, they're not, you know, they're born in the cloud. Is there, a, is the NSP a good play for them? Well, we talked a little bit earlier about kind of how things have changed and, you know, everybody is looking to get net new customers. Yeah. Right. B2B brands, their number one initiative is acquiring net new customers, right? And I'm not guessing at this. I, I read this in HubSpot about a, a month or so ago that, um, the primary marketing goal for B2B companies right now is customer acquisition. And it was that in 2021, and it's going to be that in 2022. Now, customer acquisition is a challenge, right? So this is the place where the NSPs, the partner community, but specifically the NSPs really, really, really shine. They have very strong relationships in hundreds of thousands of accounts. They're looked up as a trusted, uh, trusted advisor in IT. And then we got to remember that the NSPs sell a full portfolio of, solu- of solutions. So they're able to see where there's an overlap or potential areas of innovation, right? They're also usually tied in really well with the financials and the financial side of the house. So these guys know what business units have a budget. That's a big deal nowadays. And then the last thing that I would say about these guys is remember the NSPs, they've been servicing our customers as they move through this shift to the hybrid data center model for a while. Right. Based on the fact that, you know, they've got such a heavy and strong software legacy play for many of these guys. Right. And then customers are still leveraging them and looking to them because of the economies to scale. I mean, the NSPs are the Walmart and the target of our of our industry. Right. Their customers get the best prices because of who they are. Right. And the customers know it. So they leverage them. So 
it may be a little difficult. It may be a little tough at first, and it may be a little bit of square peg in a round hole, depending on what your solution is and who the NSP is. But I would say it's well worth the time spent. And those who, who figure it out, those who spend the time and figure it out and actually invest the time, energy, money, and resources, they see awesome, awesome returns on investment. It's been the case in literally every other technology that's been the shiny new toy. Everyone comes in and goes, uh, storage, that's a little complex. I don't know if the NSPs can do it. Cloud, that's a little complex. You know, fill in the blank, backup, recovery, you know, you name it. You know, it's, and here we are. It's just the latest, you know, chance for them to prove themselves as being the industry giants that they are. And they will. We talk a lot on this show about Lair, the land adopt, expand, renew motion, which is, you know, TSI promotes this. It's really the model for subscription-based selling because that landing the deal is just the first step. You've got to make sure you're driving customer adoption, driving expansion. And we look for, you know, partners who can do services. And a lot of times we look at like system integrators who can really drive that adoption and expansion. Do you think the the NSPs are set up to do that with the services that they have today? Or would they need to lean perhaps on a partner who's a little bit more experienced and, and do some P2P, partner to partnering? I think there's a uh, I think there's a little bit of a mix, and I think they would tell you there's a little bit of a mix. They're not they're not created equal for services for all products, right? They have a bunch of folks. You know, if you're if you're a diamond level partner, if they do hundreds of millions of dollars, they probably are well suited, <laughs> right, to come right in. If you're a bronze level partner and maybe they don't do quite as much business, maybe not so much from a services play right there. I think where the NSPs continue to here's how I would say that the NSPs play into the land adopt, expand, renew model. I think they land via their reach and their intimate knowledge of customers, right? If they if they leverage their large customer install base and consult with customers on the best migration or solutions for each individual customer model, this is going to be great. Um, this is how they're going to really get into the land. They adopt via services and those services are developed around the largest SaaS platforms, including migration of data and prior platforms. So if we're giving them the opportunity to do services and sometimes they can't implement our services, but they will sell services, right? So if we give them the ability to resell, we've got an MPSA in place with them. You know, that's a bandaid, you know, that we can put a bandaid on the problem if we if they don't fully know how to deliver them themselves yet, give them the ability to sell. And then us or a white box, you know, your partner comes in and delivers those services. Expansions are going to occur via operationalizing the addition of licenses, or new portfolio as they engage in multiple initiatives. And they do. They're always involved in a ton of initiatives within those, cust- within those customer organizations. And renewals, I mean, they've been doing those for a while. Like they've got a team of, a lot of, a lot of these NSPs have teams, have renewals teams. So, you know, I, I heard one manufacturer go, you know, I'm a little concerned that, you know, our renewals could fall down or something might fall through the cracks. I'm like, you need to look up their renewal rates. They have a 90 plus percent renewal rate. So, you know, the renewal motion, They've been doing this forever. Like I said, they've got the, the large software agreements in place, the EAs, the ELAs, you know, because they've had such software uh, heavy relationships in the past. So some of this stuff is newer to the manufacturer than it is to the NSP because they've been doing it and they've had the, the ability to kind of, you know, have their hands in multiple technologies throughout the years. You know, there's, there's all this talk about the modern partner ecosystem, and I'm building this out at Beyond Trust. And we're thinking, you know, we've got the MSP, managed service provider, the GSI, the influencer, all these new channel partners and everything. 
But the the good old NSP, right? We might start neglecting them or forgetting about them as part of the ecosystem. But from what you're telling us, that's a big mistake. That's a huge mistake. With with no other partner type, will you have the reach uh, that you have? With no other partner type, will you have candidly the relationships? It's not just the rele- the reach; it's the relationships, the time, the length of service, LOS, uh, what they call it. That these guys have, especially at your top level folk, right? And your top partners and your Fortune 500, Fortune 100 customers, their account teams have a lot of times been in place five, seven, 10, 15 years. How many manufacturers can say that? Yeah. How many manufacturers? I mean, and that's really what it comes down to. You're able to leverage relationship currency as well as the fact that they just have a business relationship as well and they can do all the different things with economies of scale and all that. They have relationships. They can really direct us where to go. There's a willingness. They're making the right strides. They're doing it through purchases and acquisitions. Huge mistake not to include this behemoth of players uh, in our go-to-market strategies in the brave new world. Yeah, and I was thinking again about the investment. So let's say you got to put in 100 grand, 200 grand or more. But if you think about it, that's like what you would pay one sales rep to hire one sales rep. And you're getting access to hundreds or thousands of reps with that investment. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Now you can't just make that investment. You've got to now, you've got to invest in the support team. So you've still got to invest on your side to to make it win, but that's huge scale if you get it working right. Couldn't agree more. And then the other piece is this, the fact that they are looking to look a little bit, candidly a lot bit, more like a a traditional partner with that, the fact that they are becoming so heavily focused on their SC teams, that they're becoming so heavily focused on their services team. It would be a huge miss because they're, they are actually shifting more into a, a simpler model for us, the manufacturer, right? They look more like a traditional partner than they've ever looked in our life with the reach and the scale and the relationships and all the other things that we've talked about. So if we can take a minute and kind of learn the brave new world alongside those guys and you know, be the easy button for those guys and provide a few resources, the, the, the ROI, the, the payoff is it's, it's tremendous. So. Dio, let's talk a little bit about your journey. How did you become this NSP expert? How did, how did you get into this? <laughs> you know, you do best what you do most, right? <laughs> so I, uh, you know, in my relationship, I started a relationship with CDW for Hitachi Data Systems. And this was, wow, going back about 20 years. And it's funny because I was, you know, I was the local channel manager in the Illini District in Illinois. And I kept running into CDW. I was young, young, young buck, young in the industry. Like I didn't know nothing. And I kept running into these guys. They're a partner. They're running into them. And yeah, I beat them sometimes. Sometimes they beat me, but I seen them all the time. So I'm like, I look them up, I find out where they are. And I walked in one day. I'm Dwayne. I'm with Itachi and I want to sign you up. And uh, <laughs> well, that began my education. That day I started getting educated on what it took to sign a partner, to have these conversations, the differences. And, and sometimes it's off-putting, you know, when you've not worked with the NSPs, because when you go in and you see a traditional partner as a manufacturer, they're really excited to see you, right? They're like, yes, Rob Spears coming in. Guys, roll out the red carpet, you know, get the caviar, you know. But with the NSPs as a general rule, it's not that they're not excited to see you because they are and they appreciate the relationships. They just are a little more discerning, like, okay, great, let's meet. What are we talking about, right? What are we going to discuss? What are we looking to accomplish? I think their level of, it's, it's shocking a little bit, I think, because we, we assume that the NSPs would be a little more laid back. And they'd want to kind of shoot the breeze and that kind of deal. 
but their leadership, while they are great people, great people folk and folk that you love to, you know, have a drink with and hang out. When it comes to business meetings, they're very, very intentional. And it's, and it makes sense. They've got 10,000 folk on the line card. If they just met for coffee with everybody, there's not enough days in the year, right? So they, they're very intentional in that. And I think that was one of the things that, that was a little shocking when I came in. So I, I learned and they taught me to be a little more organized in my approach. There was no more kind of winging it, right? So, you know, and I started becoming better at, at what I do, not only working with them, but even working with my other partners by applying some of the same approaches. So I kind of engulfed myself more and more and more. And I'm fortunate enough to have made, you know, friends and personal friends with folks that are within the NSP. So I get some information that maybe everyone doesn't always get, or I get it maybe a little sooner, which helps me to be successful. And I try to share that with my colleagues as well. How did you mentally adjust to COVID? And the reason I say that is because you loved being on the floor and you were always the sharpest dressed guy on the floor, right? So how did you adjust not being able to be there with them and wearing those, those duds that you've got that are, you know, you're just looking so good? Well, first of all, it was very tough. <laughs> Let me start with that. Um, I am definitely a people person. I mean, Rob, you know this with me having worked for you. When things get rough, right, when numbers are down, we need to pick something up. My thing is, don't worry about it. I'm going to go in earlier. I'm going to stay later. I'll be there on Saturday if I need to, right? Like, I will make sure that my face is in the place. So not being able to do that, um, it was it was a little it was a little bit much. But just leveraging some of the different technologies, you know, I did nothing earth shattering what everyone else did, right? We we would get together in virtual ways. We did all kind of fun things together. Sometimes there were things that had nothing to do with work. Just let's get together and do a happy hour. Let's do a mixer and just things like that to build the relationship virtually. I mean, a little more forced, <laughs> candidly, but. You know, they understood that you were trying to make the effort and they were receptive to it as a general statement. The other piece for me personally, you're catching me at a day where, like I say, I just took my sweater off. So I'm not, you know, in my normal attire and gear, but I pretty much dressed up every day. And I know that sounds like really even for the video. I did. I did. I mean, literally probably four days a week. You know, this I had one work from home kind of dress down day because that's what I would do when I was on site. But I got up every day, you know, um, if it wasn't a full suit and shirt and tie, it was definitely like a button up or, you know, sweater and that kind of deal. I, I just mentally that helped me to feel like I was putting on my uniform to go to work. And it's funny how they received it. So when they would get on, a, we'd get on a Zoom call or a Teams or whatever it might be. And they seem like, D.O., you still rocking the suits even in COVID. Like it was. <laughs> So, you know, my brand uh, continued to uh, transcend the COVID pandemic. My brand continued to carry it. That's it. You got a brand to maintain, Dio. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I will say this, though. For all the folk out there that are looking to work with the NSPs that haven't worked with them in the past, the fun aspect. I know this is going to like, what? How is that a business strategy? Within reason, of course, the fun aspect. Spending time with these guys, once things kind of clear up and we can be on site, make sure you're there. You can, there is no replacement for you being present and spending time with these guys. There's so many different folks out there that are vying for their time, that are bringing deals to them and all the other things that if you're not spending time and, and crying out and shouting and, and in their face, it's easy to forget about you. And it's not even intentional. It's just a, 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 a human nature. They get one training from you on Tuesday. By the time the following Tuesday has come along, they've had a minimum of seven other trainings, minimum. And that's assuming no one came in over breakfast. 
No one came and did a huddle during the middle of the day, right? Like they've had, they get lunch trainings literally every day. So making sure that you're there outside of a scheduled training, just you're there because this is where you come to work alongside them. It means something. Are the guys coming back to the floor yet? A little bit. It's, it's happening in waves and it's happening very intentionally. We, I've been told from, well, CDW is the one that I'm closest to in proximity. I've been told from them that, you know, there's a few of the manufacturers that are starting to get, but basically you're looking at definitely 2022 and it's going to happen in a waved approach. Nobody wants to be responsible for a big outbreak. And in Illinois, we are having a huge uptick with this, you know, variant that's starting to happen. And CDW is kind of one of those, and most of the NSPs transparently are very kind of cutting edge and they stay on the forefront. So, you know, they, they want to make sure that people stay safe and they've got all the technologies for the work from home. So they're leveraging it. They're leveraging it. It's really funny, you know, not funny, but it's really something because a couple of the major NSPs in a couple of their headquarter cities have signed some brand new contracts for huge, beautiful office spaces that none of us have been to yet. So I've been to the one in Chicago. I haven't been to anything in Arizona and I know they're, they're coming. So they will be pushing to get us back on site as soon as possible. I'm sure of it. They look forward to it. And that's their words, not mine. They look forward to it as much as we do. So game on. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope 22 is the year. We'll see. Yes. You know, that was my number uh, in college. So it's always been a good look. It's been a good luck number for me. So what did you play in college? I played basketball. Yeah, I played basketball. Most people think football, but I played basketball. I played a uh, small division one school, Western Illinois, and then I transferred to uh, Missouri Valley. Do you still play? What, what do you do? What do you like to do outside of the NSP world? Well, I don't still play basketball anymore because as competitive as I am, when I began to not be as good as I used to be, I was like, let's pick up something else. Uh, <laughs> so I actually coach softball and that is where I spend all of my time. My uh, two daughters play softball. My oldest played in college. My youngest is a, well, I guess I can brag. She can't hear me right now. She's a bit of a standout. She's only 14. She plays on a 16U team and she's getting looked at already by some pretty good schools. So, um, Wow. I am not surprised. <laughs> so, well, her mom was a great athlete. I give, I give that to mom and the genetics that from, from mom. But yeah, so I truly enjoy coaching. It's my give back and it's my passion. And, you know, I do that like I get paid for it half the time. So that's where you'll find me. I train MMA, not as much as I used to. One, because of COVID and things got shut down and I, I was very weak on getting back. I did. I, I, I did not get back in there like I should have. But the other piece of the puzzle is I'm getting older and uh, MMA is a full body workout. I'm not like out there trying to get in a fight with anybody. I'm too old for that kind of stuff. I just love the training. But yeah, it's it's beginning to be a little bit high impact for this old body. You know? <laughs> so The coaching softball continues to stand, though. That continues to treat me very well. <laughs> yeah, the, the kids don't hit you as hard. No, they don't. No, they, but the balls are starting to come back at me pretty hard. These girls are getting bigger, stronger, faster. So. <laughs> That's true. Dwayne, this has been fantastic. Thank you for sharing a lot of great insight. I mean, I think we scratched the surface of what you know about this business, but we, we got a good, lot of good points out of you. So thank you very much. Wish you all the success next year in 22. Thank you much. And hey, I appreciate you having me on. As, as I said before, I count it a joy and a blessing to be able to come on and talk about talk to you, first of all, but to talk about the NSPs, because that is something so near and dear to my heart. So thank you for the opportunity. Okay. And if folks want to know more, are you open to them reaching out to you on LinkedIn? Absolutely. Dwayne Owens, I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out. I, I look forward to chatting with you guys and answering any questions I can. All right. See you in the new year.
Sounds great. Talk to you soon, Rob. Bye-bye. All right, guys. If there's one takeaway from today's show, it's that you don't want to overlook the NSPs as part of your ecosystem strategy, and they are not your grandmother's DMR. Thank you, Dwayne, for sharing all your wisdom and experience, and thanks again to our sponsor, Allbound. If you're looking for an easier way to manage deal registration, a better way to track partner opportunities, and to provide your partners easier access to all your sales and marketing materials, as well as to trainings and certifications, be sure to check them out. Go to allbound.com. And if you want to look at today's show notes, go to channeljourneys.com slash CJ81. There you can subscribe. And we've got a lot more great interviews coming up that you're not going to want to miss. Until then, have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends. And be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.